Welcome to Friendship with God. Today, Tom Cantor will finish our Genesis chapter 2 expository study. And today's message is available for free download at friendshipwithgod.org. Now, here's some highlights from this week's message. See, the Spirit of life is a person. It's a person. He's the Holy Spirit. He's the Spirit of Christ. He is the breath of life. It's a person. He's a breath of life. It's the Spirit of God. Personality of God inside of us. That's what man lost at the fall. And that's what he regains by being born the second time. There are lost souls that God wants you to reach. And the devil is going to say to you, you're not important. You're not necessary. If not you, someone else, someone else will direct that soul. And don't you, don't you believe that lie? Because you are put in the place where God needs you. And so part of Adam's work was to also guard, protect, be a watchman on this garden, protect. Very strong indication, as Irene said, that danger is around the corner, Adam. Now here's Tom Cantor as we finish our Genesis chapter 2 expository study. You know, God loves to make covenants or promises, or I don't, I kind of hesitate to say agreement because I'm not always sure that, that Adam agree, any people agree, but anyway, it's a promise. And so he makes this promise with Adam in here in, in chapter two. And he says, okay, Adam, here's what we got. The soil, I'm giving in the soil, and what's the soil going to do for you? What's the soil going to do for Adam? Yeah, he's going to give him food. The breath of God, I'm giving that to you, Adam. What's that going to give him? Life, good. The garden is going to be a place I'm giving to you for what? To work and live in, good. The animals are going to be there to serve you. The wife is going to be there <laughs> to, to argue with you. No, to, to what? <laughs> to help you, right? I'm giving you all this, Adam. All this I'm giving you. This is part of the covenant. Now, Adam, I'm requiring you, because I made you, to dress the garden and keep the garden, first thing. What's the next thing he required him? You know, know every tree you want but one, right? Tree of the knowledge of good and bad. Don't eat from that tree. And then uh, you can give, and then I want you to give the names of the animals. And one last thing, I want you to keep marriage holy, special. So this is a covenant that God has given to Adam. This is an agreement. And the agreement is, you know, serve God, you live, disobey, you die. I want you to look at Psalm 50, verse 5, because God is into this, making agreements, making covenants. Gather my saints together unto me, those that have made a covenant with me by sacrifice. He is describing, God is describing, bringing those who have been cleansed, his saints, he calls them to him, and he's saying, they have made a covenant with me. They have made an agreement with me. What's the agreement? That they're going to turn over a new leaf and they'll be good forever? No. The, tr- the agreement is based on a sacrifice, a covenant by sacrifice. And we know that the great sacrifice was God's provided 
sacrifice. That's what happened here. So therefore, let's think back now on Adam. He's got this, this covenant. He's got positive, eat the trees from every tree you'd like to eat. Negative, don't eat of this tree of the good and evil, good and bad. So he sets boundaries. God is into setting boundaries. He said, this is where you stay, Adam, in these boundaries. Over here, you don't go over there. But over here, he sets the boundaries. Now, another thing God does, he cared for man. In verse 18, chapter 2, back in Genesis. Chapter 2, verse 18, he said, it's not good the man should be alone. I will make for him and help me for him. You know what's interesting about this verse? It's speaking future. He says, it's not good for man that he is alone, that he'll be alone, and I will make for him a helpmate. It's all in the future. He foresaw Adam's need, maybe before Adam did. I don't know. Let me see. So where are we? 18, okay. You see? Because what happened there, verse 18 comes before verse 20. Yeah, that was profound. Verse 18 comes before verse 20 because verse 18, God is saying, we're going to have a need come up here. Because, why do I say that? Because at the end of verse 20, it seems like that's the time when Adam feels it, right? I mean, you know, he, he, he's sitting there, and he's naming the animals, and, and, and you know, he's got the, the doves coming with the wings, and, you know, they're, uh, you know, snuggling with each other and cooing, and, you know, and they come up there, and doves, and he says, okay, good for the doves, you have each other, wonderful. And then the next one comes, the baboons, and they're, picking the little ticks and the fleas off of each other with their big snouts. And he says, wonderful for the baboons. They love each other. You go. Next one comes the lions. Lions are, they're claws, but they're snuggling and cuddling, you know. Good for the lions. (laughs) So you get this picture, and all of a sudden, Adam feels, you know, like, uh, I don't have anybody. He says, you know, nobody here to pick the fleas and ticks off of me and everything. (laughs) So... When he was, <laughs> that was the joy of it all. Remember when he made Eve? He 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 went to her, and, you know. He says, "Oh, she's bone my bones." I mean, you know, he checks her out. You know, no wings, no claws, no snout. Oh, she's beautiful. She looks like me. <laughs> anyway, but the point is, is that he hadn't gone through this until verse twenty. But in verse eighteen, God thought about it, and God prepared for it, and that's the wonderful thing about God, because. The Lord Jesus Christ, it says in Revelation 13.8, was slain from the foundation of the world before this creation ever happened because God thought about it, God knew about it, God planned it, just like he did with Adam. And he allowed man to go through that whole naming process. That's another point. He allowed man to feel his need so he could train man to look to God for his need. And he could have just you know, created Eve right off the bat, and, and didn't have to go through the surgery with the rib and everything. He could have just done that, and Adam would have said, well, okay, I got one. But no, he allowed Adam to go through that process so that he would experience the need, and he would be drawn into the right relationship of God first, God only. See, that's what Matthew 7, 7 means when it says, you're supposed to ask, and it'll be given to you. You're supposed to seek, who move from God and you'll find. You're supposed to knock. To who? To God's door, and it'll be open unto you. Because everyone that asketh receiveth, and so forth. Because he says, he says, if you know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more should your heavenly Father give good things to them that ask him? 
And when the fullness of time came, in Galatians 4.4, God sent forth his Son, made of a woman, made under the law. So in other words, man felt the need for God's sacrifice. That's why Mary said in her Magnificata, you know, and she said, you know, that uh, hope, you have hope in your servant Israel. You helped. We waited, we waited. My, you know, that's why Zacharias, I think it was, anyways, the priest, he said, you know, long to see your salvation. There was the need that was felt. God, that's what God is into. And then God supplied the need. He made the, he made the, the woman. He didn't have to go to eHarmony. He just made the woman. <laughs> so he made the woman. He provided. Man had a need. Man could not meet this need. God provided the need. Man has a need, as we saw in Psalm 50, verse 5. Got to have a covenant with God. Got to have a sacrifice. Got to have. And, God's, and, and when Abraham was walking up that hill to Mount Moriah with Isaac in Genesis 2, uh, Genesis 22. You remember Genesis 22. And this, this, this momentous historical question pierces the silence as Isaac asks the question. He says, Behold the fire, Father Abraham. Behold the wood. Where's the lamb? Where's the lamb? That was the momentous question. And Abraham said to him, God himself will provide a lamb. God will provide a lamb, see? And that's why, look over in Isaiah 53, Isaiah chapter 53, because this is along the same lines, uh, gather my saints together, those that have made a covenant to me by sacrifice. And here in Isaiah 53, verse 9, we really can read uh, the sacrifice which is needed a one that had done no violence, one that had never said a lie, had never deceived anyone, neither was there any deceit in his mouth. Well, who's that? Well, you know, all of us are disqualified and everybody else. So we don't have that. We don't have it in ourselves or anybody else that we... But God gave him, just like he gave the woman. God gave him, and that's verse 10. It pleased the Lord to bruise him. He put him to grief. See, God not only gave him, but also um, uh, sacrificed him. So that we could have, thou shalt make his soul an offering for sin. Look at him. You don't have someone help for you, so I'll give you the wife. Look, sinful person, you don't have a sacrifice to make with me, so I'll give you my son. And that's what he did here. So now you can have this wife. So now you can have this sacrifice so that you can come to God. Make his soul your offering for sin. Make his soul your offering for sin. That's Isaiah 53.10. And then another thing we learn about God in verse 22 is that God delighted to give this to man. He brought her to man. and He delighted in that. And we've already said, he said this is checked her out and she's just like him, so she's beautiful. And he delights in that. God loves to be the God described in John 3.16. For God so loved the world, he gave. God is, he loves to give, and he loves to see the response of the people he gives to. It's like my wife. She loves to buy presents. My, my wife loves to buy presents. Our house is full of presents. I think she's forgot who she bought those presents for. They're piling up everywhere. We have a whole closet and in other places, too. There's presents everywhere. She loves to give presents. She sees somebody, oh, I'll give that to somebody. The only trouble is there aren't enough birthdays and Christmases to come around to give them all away. 
But yesterday was our neighbor's 87th birthday, Dottie Hammond, and, and she said, oh, it's a birthday. I got to surprise her. It's got to be the, the birthday card that's got to arrive in the mail uh, on her birthday. So she didn't trust the mail to send it there. So all morning, she's looking out the window for the mailman. You see, oh, the mailman's here. And so she goes running down there. She basically goes running down there. She puts the mail, puts the card in there. So she's sure that Dottie will get that and it'll be wonderful. That's God. Because he loves to give, and he loves to see the response of the person that he's given to. Just like with Adam, he loved all that. Because that's what God loves to do. Fear not, Luke 12, 32. Little flock, it's your father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. He's really happy to do it, and he's happy to see your face when he does it. You know what I think the most, you remember when the Lord Jesus Christ was dying on the cross, and before he died, he said, one more, I can get one more, one more, this sinner right here, this thief on the cross, I'll get him. And when he did, and the Lord, remember, the sinner, the thief said to him, Lord, remember me when thou comest into thy kingdom. And you remember what the Lord Jesus Christ said? He said, yeah, he said today. He said today. I think he loved to say that word today. You know why? Because today wasn't going to last very long. There was only a few more hours left in the day. And I could just picture him getting down there in, in paradise and say, check your watch. Well, they didn't watch. But he would have said, <laughs> he would have said to him, you see, it's still today. And you're with me in paradise. That's God. He loves to see the response. And what do you think the, the thief said? He was just like jumping out of his skin. Yeah, it's so wonderful. You said that on the cross. Because he loves to give. That's our God. That's who God is. Isn't God wonderful? This is what we've learned about God. All right, now, we're going to re- uh, just a quick review and then we're finished. Okay, we come to the end of chapter 2. We have a wonderful relationship between God and man. A relationship based on, one, God made man. Two, God gave man life. Three, God placed man where God gave man work to do. Four, God gave him work. Five, God made a covenant or promise with him. Six, he cared and foresaw his need, planned it. Seven, he allowed man to feel his need. Eight, he supplied his need. And nine, he delighted in seeing his response to the need. Father, thank you so much for showing us who you are. It helps us so much to give us confidence to believe that you are a rewarder of them that diligently seek you, because that's who you are. Thank you, Lord, for showing us these things in chapter 2, and help us, Lord, to prepare us that we might learn from them and be ready as we study not only the great tragedy, but the great restoration that you brought about in Jesus' name. Amen. Tom, today you talked about covenants. Now, what is a covenant? Can you explain that for our listeners? But then also, why are God's covenants so important? Yes, well, covenants are very important. First of all, a covenant is a promise. It's like a contract. It's like a, an agreement. It's still used in Old English. It's still used for uh, uh, CCNRs, you know, when you buy a condominium, and one of those words is covenant. Covenant means something that you promise to do. It's very, very important. And we rely on, we live by the covenants of God, what he has agreed to. And so, Covenants are very, very important. For example, 
You could look at any promise that God gives as a covenant. You could look at Hebrews 13.5 that says, let your conversation or your lifestyle be without covetousness and be content with such things as he as ye have. For he hath said, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. That's an Old Testament covenant. That's a promise of God that he makes to his children. He says, I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. Oh, how much we rely on that covenant when we are sick, when we're dying, when we're drained out, when everyone else has left us, when David was alone in, in, uh, in Ziklag and, his, and those that were with him because his wives and their wives and his children and their children had been taken away by the enemy and the heart of the people was so discouraged and they spoke about killing David and David was all alone, but he wasn't alone because God said he would never leave David. He would never forsake him, even though everyone else had. And even when it says, when my mother and my father, as, as, uh, as King David wrote in the Psalms, when my mother and my father cast me off, then the Lord will gather me up. That's a promise of involving God's never leaving, never forsaking. The presence of God is so vitally important with us. We can. God has promised. God has come covenanted that he'll never leave us, he'll never forsake us. He's also promised that his presence would be with us. And Moses found this so vital that in Exodus chapter 33, verse 15, he said unto him, if thy presence go not with me, carry us not up hence. You know, Moses didn't have to be lonely. He was in the middle of two million people. But sometimes these two million people were walking so far from God is that most of them wanted to kill him, just like the situation of David's warriors that were with him. And, and, and Moses knew, I need a friend. I need a friend that will stick closer to a brother, and that friend is God. And we need a friend, and that, our friend is the same. He is the Lord Jesus Christ. So Moses said, if thy presence go not with me, carry us not up hence. We say that also in life. If the presence of the Lord Jesus Christ is not going with us, then we don't want to be taken there. So it's a promise that God has made, and these covenants that God has made are very, very important. We rely on them for all of our life, especially when we come to the end of our lives and we say, God, you've promised to never leave me. You've promised to never forsake me. And those, those, those are the covenants of God that we cling to. Tom, today you also talked about God caring for the future of Adam. That's encouraging for us as believers that God cares about our future. What does the Bible say is our greatest need for our future? And how has God provided for that need? Well, we have many, many needs in our future. We need God. We need God today. We need God tomorrow. And especially when you look at our lives, if you're really, really honest, you'll say, we need God as we approach our mortality, as we approach the end of our lives, as we see our friends, as we go to visit our friends that are in the hospital, that are in the nursing homes, that are in the rehabilitation centers, that have been put on hospice. And we look at our friends, and really our friends are almost like a mirror to us. And our friends in the mirror are almost saying, look at me, 
you will be sometime, someday like me. And we know that. And when we see that, it creates in us a great need. And we say to God, oh God, when I come to the end of the road of my life, when I come to the end, what will, what have you provided for me? That's when the word of God becomes especially important. In Psalm 73, 24, the promise comes like this. God says, or David says about God, thou shalt guide me with thy counsel and afterward receive me to glory. What a statement for all of life. We could say that would be great on our tombstones. God guided me with his counsel and after received me to glory. When we put our faith and trust in the Lord Jesus Christ, we get under the counsel of God. The Bible is the counsel of God. And we say, Lord, when I read this book this morning, I want this book to be for me counsel. I willingly get under it as my guide, get under you as my guide. You will guide me through the word of God. And all through my life, I'll listen with an open ear and with an open heart as I read the Bible, and I'll look for and I'll collect the counsel of God. And that counsel, Lord, is going to guide me through every rough and stormy place. It's going to be, my life is going to be a continuing pattern of, oh God, what do I do now? And then you speak to my heart, and that's the counsel of God. And I, and I go under your guidance. I obey your guidance. And it's going to be one step after another of trouble, and I call to you, counsel that faithfully comes to me, submission that I get under you, and you guide me. And so I'm going to be able to say as I look back on my life, thou hast guided me with thy counsel, and as I look forward, thou shalt guide me with thy counsel. And especially when I come to the end, it's just like Johnny Cash sung in his song, I don't have to cross Jordan alone. Jesus died for my sins to atone. Lord, when I come to the end, this verse, afterward, you'll receive me to glory. And how am I going to be received to glory? He will open up his arms and he said, there's one that was guided by my counsel all through life. And as you say, and as the Lord Jesus Christ says that, we'll smile and memory will come back to us and we'll say, oh yes, in this case, I cried to the Lord. He gave me counsel. I took it and was guided by him. And then in that case, I cried to the Lord. He gave me counsel and I was guided by it. And so as I look back on my life, I say, oh, Lord, I, I, you guided me with your counsel. And now at the end comes the great crown of it all when you receive me to glory. What a wonderful promise that is to meet our greatest need for our future of our death. What do we need in our death? To be received by the Lord Jesus Christ into his glory. All the troubles of a failing body, of a failing mind, of a fa- of, of frustration for what we could not do and wanted to do, and all of that will be in the past as we are received by him into his glory. It says in 1 Peter 5.10, But the God of all grace, who hath called us unto his eternal glory by Christ Jesus. See, we look back on our life and we say, grace, 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 undeserved merit, undeserved merit, undeserved merit, 
undeserved, undeserved. That's grace. He's the God of all grace. It seems like sometimes we cause God all trouble, and so therefore he is the God of all grace to us. But he's called us to his eternal glory, an eternal glory that doesn't stop with death, just begins by Christ Jesus. That's what David meant in Psalm 23, 6, when he finished up that great, the Lord is my shepherd psalm by saying, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. You know, you ask the question, what is our greatest need for our future? You know, there was a thief on a cross and he had a great, great need. And his need was for his future. And the Lord Jesus Christ provided for him and he'll provide for us. And how did he provide? He said unto him, verily I say unto thee, today shalt thou be with me in paradise. Friend, if you have a heart for God, if your heart is broken for the lost sheep of the house of Israel, if you want to hear for them also to hear, today shalt thou be with me in paradise, if you want them to be able to say, I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever, if you want them to be able to be received up into glory forever, then come join us. We have a job for you. If you're in the Southern California area or you know someone who's in the Southern California area and has a heart to bring the gospel, the good news of the Lord Jesus Christ to the Jewish people by going door to door, please call us at 1-800-247-3051. 1-800-247-3051. Thank you for joining us today. Join us again tomorrow as our Thursday-Friday message series from Exodus begins again. Now, as you heard Tom Cantor speak about, Israel Restoration Ministries is looking for full-time couriers to take the gospel to the Jewish people in Southern California. If you're interested in going door-to-door to reach lost Jewish people, call us today at one 800 247 3051. That's 1 800 247 3051. You can also call us to receive Tom Cantor resources, materials, books, and videos. You can also go to friendshipwithgod.org to download a copy of today's message, or you can go to israelrestoration.org for more information. Thanks for listening, and join us again tomorrow at the same time.